Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. happy Sunday. Welcome. We're excited to be here together with you. We're working our way uh, through the book of John. Matt did a great job uh, last week and uh, and so I'm looking forward to to opening the scriptures and uh, and seeing what the Lord is saying uh, to us today. We just want to welcome everyone. Uh, We know people are watching from literally all over the world and that's amazing and humbling and so uh, we hope that you will join us today and and grab a Bible open. We're in John 6, chapter 6. We're going to be starting off right there. Uh, Before we dive into that, let's pray and uh, we'll get started. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being with us, for guiding us, for directing us, for walking with us. Father, we thank you for your Spirit. Would you send your Holy Spirit to indwell in us right now, to fill us to the full, to overflowing, to surround us, to give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you're saying to us today. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, I I, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're uh, finding joy uh, in the midst of this time. Uh, we, uh, as you probably know, we, we have transitioned and, and have home churches that meet uh, all over the, uh, the Nashville region. Uh, different different times uh, of the week, different days, and uh, we're going to be adding two or three or four in the next uh, month or so, so keep a lookout on that. But I was at a home church uh, this week, and uh, we were talking, and, and really I just felt like the Lord was leading us to just sort of process what is happening, where are we at, you know, and it sort of popped in uh, into the conversation. I think the Holy Spirit dropped it in there. You know, we're all collectively grieving uh, things that we've lost, th- things that uh, this pandemic has stolen from us. And I want to just tell you before we jump into to what I feel like the Lord is having for us today, um, don't be afraid to sit with that, to recognize where you are even in the stages of, of grief, uh, and, and then to allow and invite the Holy Spirit in uh, to help you move through that process so that you can come out of the other side of that. And, and begin to live a life of joy and purpose and meaning. It's okay to recognize the loss. It's okay to, to sit with the sadness, to sit with the loss. But we can't, we can't wallow in it. And we have to invite the Holy Spirit uh, to, to infill us and to guide us into the truth. And the truth is, is that you have been redeemed. You have been set free. And you have been made uh, for a purpose before the heavens and earth were formed you have been designed and intended to live during this time. And the Lord has great things in store for you. Now that might look different than what your idea of great things are. And that's okay. He knows best. But I, I just want to just give you that for a moment. Just just take some time. Invite the Holy Spirit. Find out where you are. Are you, are you in the depression state of that? Are you in the anger state of that? Are you vacillating back and forth? And then allow the Holy Spirit to move you through that process. 
so that you can you can have uh, a time of of closure and then a time of progressing onward. The Lord uh, is is looking for people right now that are willing to walk through the fire with Him, to follow Him through their hardships, through the unknown through the darkness of the wilderness, uh, through the, the raging seas. He's looking for a people that are willing to follow him with abandon, that are willing to step out into their purpose, into his purpose as he's leading it. And so we can't do that unless we invite the Holy Spirit uh, and, and begin to have him work in us and through us. So I just felt uh, compelled to, to just sort of throw that out there. It's not what I'm talking about today. I just felt like the Lord is saying, hey, listen, Take some time. Acknowledge where you're at. It's been a hard 12 months. And for some of us, we've lost loved ones. We've lost jobs. We've lost dreams. We've lost uh, our footing. We, we feel like we, we just don't know what's coming next. And the Lord is saying, yes, I see that. And he weeps with those who weep and he mourns with those who mourns. And so it's okay to feel those things. It's okay to invite the Holy Spirit into that. We don't have to fake it till we make it. Thank God. But... He doesn't want us to stay in those places. Just like with sin, he doesn't want us to stay in the same sin. He is beckoning us forward to move forward with him as we make this journey into eternity with him. So just take some time today. Um, take some time this week. Get alone. Get quiet. Invite the Holy Spirit in and say, where am I right now? Where's my heart? How am I feeling? Um, what are the things that I, I don't even understand or are motivating me right now? Is there is there sadness and grief and depression sort of hanging over me like a cloud that I haven't even recognized that it's, it's propelling me? Take some time, invite him in, and then ask him and allow him to pull you out of that. You can't pull yourself out of it. And then call someone, uh, call, call a friend, call a believer, find a home church, find a group of people, get real, get honest and say, this is where I'm at, I need prayer, I need help. This is how it's designed, we're designed to live in community together, processing this stuff together. So um, just want to encourage you that uh, before we get into these scriptures. So we are in John, uh, the book of John. We're going to be in John for the next probably year. And uh, it's amazing. And I don't know if you're keeping up, if you're reading with us, I, I encourage you to do that. We're also in the middle of a fast. I hope you guys are hanging in there. And, uh, and, and I'm sure at this point in the fast, uh, you've you've faced some temptations to break the fast. Maybe you have broken your fast. It's okay. Get back on the fast. Uh, there's so much grace in all of this. But remember, our fast isn't to get something from God. It, it is to get us to a place where we can receive whatever it is he's saying to us. It's to quiet our souls. It's it's to uh, position our hearts uh, to, to be uh, greater uh, in intimacy with him. So I hope I want to encourage you on that fast. I get it. I'm I'm not really great at fasting these days, and so it's it's been hard. But I, I hope you're hanging in there. And so we're fasting and we're praying for more of the Lord, more of His presence. Uh, we're repenting for for our attitudes towards our brothers and sisters. We're saying, please change our hearts so that we can love you with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and that we can love our neighbor, our neighbor who doesn't believe like we believe, our neighbor who doesn't think like we think, so we can love them as we love ourselves. Okay. That's our, our fast. All right, so we're in John, and Matt talked about uh, last week the idea of the Word, the Word being flesh, uh, meditating day and night on the Word. Man, it's so important. I can't, I can't tell you how much, um, how much emphasis the Scriptures themselves put on 
meditating day and night on the Lord. Um, spend time in the quiet of the night. Uh, he, a lot of times we'll wake up and toss and turn, and, and it might be a nudge from the Lord to say, hey, I want to want to spend some time with you right now. So just be greater, um, pay pay more attention to that as we're moving forward during this fast. I, I believe the Lord is going to visit us in profound ways. He's going to visit you in profound ways, and I'm looking forward to that. So John uh, six, we're going to start right in the very beginning, and this is the story of of Jesus feeding the five thousand, feeding the multitudes. My Bible it says feeding the five thousand right over it. So I'm going to read it and then we're going to talk about it. Okay. Chapter six, verses one. After these things, Jesus went over the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up to the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that we may eat, that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew that he would do what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii worth of bread. Denarii is like, I think, about a day's wages is what it transfers here. Two hundred denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them have, may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, in number of about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled... He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves to which they were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen this, the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, we have talked about uh, of this passage before a couple years ago when we were doing uh going through our, our Blessed Life series, and we talked about the principle of kingdom finances and all of that. If you missed that, there is so much in there uh, about our personal money and finances that uh, applies to this. I'm not going to really focus on, on that uh, today, but there's a lot to be, to be said uh, with, this, with this story and how it works. We're going to learn today a little bit of kingdom principles of how Jesus and the kingdom of God functions on the earth and how it's very different uh, from how we see life and how it functions. So the first thing to, to realize is that Jesus, first of all, he notices the need. He notices the need before the disciples notice the need. Jesus is always seeing the need before you. He, he's always looking and, and he's, he's way more aware. Uh, he's way more uh, into the needs of the people than you are. Uh, and and there's a, there's a, those of us that have been called uh, to to many different kinds of people groups to many different kinds of uh, of needs that, that we see some we some we do in homeless ministry and some uh, we do in foreign missions and persecuted church and and outreach around our neighborhoods and so there's there's a lot of us that feel called to a lot of needs that we see and sometimes we can feel like God has forgotten uh, these people. He's forgotten the needs of these people. But what we see here in this demonstration is that Jesus is far more aware of the needs of the people 
uh, than you are. And so we have to trust that he's seeing and that he's leading us and that he's guiding us into this. And then on a personal level, Jesus is seeing your needs sometimes, most of the time, all the time, before you do. And so he is aware of what you need. He is aware of what uh, what problems you are facing. He's aware of the circumstances you're in. And he, he is seeing where you are at the moment. And he's also seeing where you will be in the future. He's anticipating your needs. Now, needs are different than wants. We've talked about this multiple times. Just because you want something doesn't necessarily mean you need it. And what you need, you may not want. But Jesus knows what you need. And he will supply to us all of our needs. But he sees this from an eternal heavenly kingdom perspective, something that we struggle with at best and, 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 and we can't really understand uh, fully until we, we are with him again uh, in eternity. And so he's seeing those needs and he knows the needs that you have and he knows where you are. He knows what you need and he knows when you need it. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provides. That's what he named himself and he would not name himself a lie. And he sees where you're at and he knows what you need. And he is faithful and true to provide what it is that you need right in the moment. He is a just-in-time God. He, he will give it to you just when you need it. Just remember the stories of the manna in the desert. It came when they needed it and it wasn't there when they didn't. And it takes faith uh, to, to, to walk out into that and to, and to receive uh, what he has for you right at the right time. It's a scary thing. But Jesus sees the need. And then he does something interesting. He challenges the disciples and he says to them, how are we going to and where are we going to buy all of this food for this people so they can eat? And John tells us he was testing them because he already knew what he was going to do. And what he was doing, I think, is he was challenging their current paradigm. He was challenging how they see supply and demand. He was challenging how they see uh, the economy of the kingdom of God. He was challenging how they see the economy uh, of the kingdom of earth. And what he was doing is he was, he was testing them and he was throwing it out and he was, he was proposing a ridiculous question. At a great need, he was looking at this ridiculous need and he proposed a ridiculous solution to test them, saying, as they're in the wilderness, where are we going to buy all the food? And one of the disciples says, I, you know, we, we, none of us have enough money to do that, even if we could do that. Then another disciple says, well, you know, here's a, here's a kid with some fish and some baskets. And apparently that was leading into the right answer uh, that Jesus was looking for. And so the, the first thing, the second thing uh, we, we want to take a look at, the first is, is that Jesus is aware, more aware of the needs in your life and in the lives of those around you than you are. Uh, the second thing is that he will pose ridiculous questions that require miraculous answers in your life, okay? And so he's looking for those that are willing to look around and try and even, even begin to see through the eyes of the kingdom of God. And so here's the disciple. One of them says, even if we had enough money, which we don't, there's nowhere to buy it. The other one says, here's a kid with some fish and some bread. And he says, but that ain't going to be enough. Okay? So he doesn't quite understand what's going to happen. He doesn't quite have the faith of what's going to happen. But anyway, he is trying to think into the realm of the kingdom because he knows Jesus has done some pretty amazing things. 
And so he's probably saying, you know, are you going to do something with us? And here you go. So we, we need to begin to, to look for miraculous answers to ridiculous problems. Okay? Ridiculous questions. It, it's, it's part of being trained into how to function in the kingdom of God. We can't see the problems, the needs, uh, the impossibilities, and try to solve those through earthly lenses. It's just not going to work. It's ridiculous. But we do that so often. So often we find ourselves faced with, with absolute unknown, faced with unconquerable, insurmountable problems, faced with, uh, faced with sickness that leads to death, faced with uh, a lack of finances that there's just no way out of it, faced with uh, job problems, faced with relationship problems that honestly, there's no real solution. And yet, we find ourselves trying to solve those in an earthly manner. And we do this in a lot of different ways. I mean, sometimes we'll actually try to solve those. Most of the time what we do is we placate the problem and we comfort ourselves. And so we'll turn to things that bring us comfort in the midst of these problems to sort of like endure those problems and just get through it and take our mind off of those problems. And so this is when people turn to, to alcohol, um, turn to um, all kinds of uh, addictive things to try and bring us comfort, turns to, turn to food, uh, turn to you know mindless entertainment, sort of numbing out everything. What we do is, is we see this problem that can't be solved. We understand it's insurmountable. And we don't want to think about it because there's nothing we can do. And so then we begin to numb ourselves. But that is not the way of the kingdom. That's the way of the earth. And that's how earthly uh, thinking approaches and tries to do something with an impossible problem. But kingdom thinking begins to look around through kingdom eyes and sees something as, in, as ridiculous as well as a basket of fish and bread for 5,000 men, probably around 12 to 15,000 is what scholars think, people that were all gathered together. And so kingdom eyes begin to look in unusual places to solve impossible problems. And so I want to just, I, I want to remind you that our God works in the impossible. I want to remind you that the miraculous is the economy of the kingdom. And I want you to understand that, because we're going to be going into a phase uh, over the next, I would say, a couple of years, where the impossible problems are going to stack up even higher all around us. And if we're not careful, we will succumb to the numbing. We will succumb to uh, to the problems. We will we will find ourselves completely overwhelmed by the things that are coming at us. But the way of the kingdom begins to look for improbable solutions to impossible problems. Okay, that's a lot of things to say. But otherwise, when when fifteen thousand people need to eat, you're looking for that one basket. You're looking for something that the Lord can use to multiply. Does that make sense? So, for example, we'll just let's do an example off the top of my head here. Let's say that uh, you're praying for someone who has terminal cancer. Okay, possible problem. They've been, uh, you know, it it doesn't look good. There's there's nothing going on, and so you're praying for them because we've seen that healed before. We've 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 uh, we've prayed for people with cancer and they've they've been healed uh, miraculously overnight sometimes. And so you're beginning to, to say, okay, wait a minute. I believe that my God is the God of the impossible. He's the God of the miraculous. And so you begin to pray for, for this person uh, that has uh, terminal cancer. 
and and you begin to look for a sign, look for a seed, look for a basket that you can hang on to and bring uh, to Jesus. And so sometimes as you're praying, you'll begin to see, like let's say that there's pain uh, and let's say that there's also um, a fever. And so as you're praying for the cancer, maybe the pain will decrease a bit. Cancer's still there. All of that stuff is still there. But what you have now is you have a basket. You have something that the Lord is then going to use into something else. But you have to look through kingdom eyes because you're praying for the cancer, but the pain is going away. Or you're praying for the, for the cancer, but all of a sudden this relational problem pops into your brain and, and you say, I know I'm praying for cancer right now, but has something happened to you? And, and maybe has someone hurt you and you haven't forgiven them yet? That's a basket in the midst of a, uh, of a famine, so to speak. And so we, just as an example, praying for someone with cancer uh, a couple months ago. And we're praying for the cancer to be gone. You know, we're commanding cancer to leave, all that sort of stuff. Then all of a sudden, I believe the Lord shows me a basket, right? And it doesn't have anything to do with the cancer as far as I'm concerned. But it has something to do with a relational issue. We deal with a relational issue. We, we, we walk through that inner healing and we walk through the forgiveness. We walk through uh, letting that go and giving that to the Lord and receiving healing for that. And then guess what happens? This cancer goes away. It goes, it goes completely down and through tests and, and like over the next day or two. And so I was praying for the cancer, but it, it was the basket of fish that, that led to that answer. Might sound confusing. The more you do uh, the things of the kingdom, the more you'll begin to pick up on, on how the kingdom works. Now, the the third thing that that we have to learn for kingdom principles from this uh, passage is is this: Where does the food get multiplied? The food gets multiplied not in Jesus's hand; it gets multiplied in the hands of the disciples. And so, picture how it looks. They're all sitting around in circles. That's what Jesus told them to do. Jesus is blessing the food. He's giving it to them. The disciples are taking a loaf of bread and they're breaking it, giving it, breaking it, giving it, breaking it, giving it. And they're realizing that somehow they're still able to give the whole table, I mean, as much bread as they want. The miraculous provision was blessed by Jesus, but comes through the hands of the disciples. This is huge. And this is something that we have to, we have to learn and we have to practice and we have to remind ourselves on and we have to remind ourselves on. So many times when we're waiting for a miraculous solution to an impossible problem, here's what we do. Lord, and we just wait. And we wait and we wait and we wait. But sometimes, and I would say most of the time, the Lord is waiting for us to step out with what we have already. He's waiting for us to move into the problem in an, in an atmosphere of faith, in an atmosphere of trust, in an attitude of abandonment. And we move into the problem with the little that we have already. So, so many of us are waiting on answers from the Lord. I talk with people all the time that, you know, maybe they're, um, here's, here's one that's very common. They're in either a terrible job that they hate or they don't have a job. And they're just waiting on the Lord to, to solve this problem. And I'm praying about it and I'm taking it to the Lord and I'm just waiting on him to do something. That's great. Here's a good test. <laughs> Has it been more than several months? 
uh, has it been a, a few years? Have you done anything uh, to to better your your position? Have you have you looked for opportunities? Have you taken a step in that direction? Most of the time, the answer is no. Most of the time, it's like no. I'm just standing on the promise. I'm just waiting here. That works sometimes, but sometimes he's actually waiting for you to take the first step. He's waiting for you to hand out the little that you have to an impossible problem. I mean, think of David and Goliath, right? I mean, here's here's this giant, well-trained for battle, all of these things, and he is coming after uh, David. And David steps up and he goes, hey, this isn't how this works. He understood the economy of the kingdom that, you know, he served the God of, of Israel. And the God of Israel doesn't take the enemies lightly, right? I mean, he has moved forward and, and he has have paid the way and, and he was remembering the things that he did to deliver them out of Egypt. And so he's looking at this giant and he's taunting the people. He's taunting God. And David knows that's not how this works. And so what does he do? Does he just stand there and go, come on, God, zap him? Or does he say, that's not how this works. So I'm going to play a part in this because I understand how God works. I understand how his economy works. And so he picks up a rock he picks up a rock to attack an impossible problem with an improbable solution. But he understood the ways of God. He understood how God works. He understood the history of God with his people. And he understood that this is not going to end well for this giant, even though that seems ridiculous. But he moved towards the giant with an improbable solution in his hand. It didn't make any sense. Trusting the God of the impossible was going to deliver him out of it. So, so what I want you to understand here in this story is that what you have in your hands is enough with God. What you have is enough for God. You don't need any more for him to accomplish his purposes through you. Stop waiting. Stop sitting around waiting on the Lord to do something when you're sitting there with something in your hands and, you're, and you can move out towards this problem. This is how it works. This is just how it works. The economy of the kingdom, the way the kingdom of God works, is dramatically different than the way that the earth works. And so in the, here, here's how it works in the earth. I need to do this. I'm going to wait until I have the resources, I have the experience, I have the capabilities, I have whatever I need to go do this thing. Okay. The thing becomes impossible. You still sit there and say, well, I'm going to keep trying to solve this that same way, and you're never going to do that. Here's how the economy of the kingdom works. Impossible problem, improbable solution, step of faith. This is how it works. Now, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you're going to name and claim it and get a Lexus or get a Cadillac or, or whatever. It's not what we're talking about. But here's what it means. It means that you can feed 15,000 people with five loaves three fishes with the kingdom. And here's the thing that you need to remember. The first thing that happened is Jesus blessed it. Jesus blessed it. And when Jesus blesses something, amazing things can happen. And what we have to do is when we're looking at the impossible and when we're, we're looking at the things that are, that are ahead of us and we're looking at all of this, we have to say, what are you doing and how can I get involved with what you're doing? Instead of saying, here's my problem, here's where I'm at, come bless me here. No, 
we have to say, where are you moving, Jesus? What are you blessing right now? And when we get in line with what he's blessing, that's when we'll see the miraculous breakthrough. That's when we'll see the multiplication breakthrough. That's when we'll see deliverance breakthrough. As we move with him, we only do what we see and hear the Father doing, just like Jesus did. And so Jesus is blessing something right now in your life. He's breathing. The Holy Spirit is hovering above some part of your life right now. And it may not be the part that you're thinking of. It may not be the part that you think you need. But he's there and he is blessing a certain thing in your life. And he's waiting on you to catch up with him and begin to distribute the thing that he's blessing. Begin to act in and function in and walk in the thing that he's blessing. What is he blessing in your life? Where are you seeing his hand in your life? Where, where is he in your life in regards to this problem that you're facing? Get over there. Don't ask him to come to you in this part. This is what I'm asking for. This is what I need. It's like, man, I don't know what I need most of the time. You don't know what you need most of the time. My kids don't know what they need. We don't know what we need. He knows what we need, right? He sees the problem before we do. He's seen the problem. He's got a solution. He's looking for you to look for a basket in the middle of a famine. He's looking for, for this thing to happen. You're looking for where are you moving? And so you guys are both coming into an alignment with Jesus, right? He blesses it. You move. Don't wait for him to, to feed him. He's waiting on you to feed him. Does this make sense? This is We're talking about the kingdom of God here. The kingdom of God is upside down from what you're used to. And if you want to function and move in the kingdom of God, you got to completely throw out how you used to think because your mind is being renewed. You're getting a new mind, new heart, new vision, a new way of doing things. And this is how the kingdom of God works. So let me just finish with this. Prophetically, let me just say this. The Lord has his hand on certain points in your life. Right now, his hand is on him. He is blessing certain things that you're doing. Okay? He's blessing certain aspects of your personality. He's blessing certain aspects of your gifting, uh, of, of who you are, of things that you've done in your past, of certain relationships. His hand is there. Now, we're over here sometimes. And, and the Lord is here. Here's our prayer. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my presumption. Where are you? What are you blessing? What are you calling me into? What are you wanting me to do? Where, you, where, where, where is the, the provision that I have overlooked, that I've, that I've called too little, too less, too late? Where is that stuff? Where, where in my life are, are you moving that I have, I have maybe discounted or maybe I have completely disdained? Maybe I have walked away from things, but you're there blessing them. And I've been asking you to come here and bless me in this. But you're blessing something else in my life. So where are you blessing? How should I move? Where should I go to? Now, part, part of this, okay, part of this happens as we repent of sins. A lot of times our sins are, are things that are keeping us from seeing where he's blessing. So if you're an active, willful sin, let me just tell you to stop it, okay? Stop, ask for forgiveness, repent truly repent. See, ask him to show you why this is sin and why it's so damaging to your life. Ask him to, to reveal to you why you need to stop, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because you begin to understand his heart for you and his heart for this situation. Repent of that sin, give it up, and then you'll be able to see where there's blessing. Remember, one disciple, his mind was still of the things of this world, and he couldn't see a solution. He couldn't see an answer. 
His mind was on the things and the problems and, and the systems and all of that in this world, and he couldn't see it. Sin causes our mind to be anchored to the things of this world. The other disciple didn't understand everything, didn't have a clue, but somehow was able to see something and think, Jesus is big enough. He's good enough. He's just miraculous enough that maybe he could do something with us. And he looks the other way. His mind is not on the systems of this world. And he says, what about this? And that's what Jesus blesses. And the multiplication happens from that. Okay? Lot to think of. Lot to process. But, but this is what the Lord is wanting to show us in this passage for this time. There's a lot in this passage that we could talk about. A lot of places we could go. But as I spent time with the Lord, as I was asking him, you know, what do you want to bring out to us in this passage? This was it. Okay? Jesus sees your needs before you do. He knows your needs. He knows the needs of the, of the community around you. He knows the needs of, of, uh, of your household, of your family. He knows those needs before you even are aware of them. Okay? Trust me. Two, he is looking for you to look for improbable solutions to impossible problems. Okay? And that only comes from a mind that begins to look like Christ's mind. That's being renewed into his mind. And that means if you're an active willful, disobedient sin, you have to stop it. You have to get forgiveness, which he gives super freely. It's, it's all grace. Receive that and then move into a mindset of Christ and you'll begin to see those things. Look for what he's blessing in your life. Look for what he's blessing around your life. Look for where he's moving, where he's working. Now he's always doing something and he's always doing something everywhere. So understand what I'm saying. It's not like he's not with you right now, but there's something specifically that he has his hand on in your life. And look for that. And then step out into that. Step out into that thing that he's blessing in faith. And take a risk and move towards that. And you'll begin to see the Lord solve impossible problems with your improbable solutions. It's how he moves. It's the kingdom of God. I'm going to pray. The Lord is wanting to do some incredible things in your life. It's not going to look like you think. It's not going to be the kind of incredible that maybe Hollywood talks about or maybe that you've fantasized about. It's not that kind of stuff. He, he's, he's going to give you more than you need as you begin to step out. But remember, need is very different than wants. Okay? So, Father, we do thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. We thank you that you do not name yourself a lie, that you are our provider, that you do provide for every need. And that so often in the scriptures, you you're trying to teach us about be anxious for nothing. You will take care of us. And so often we forget. And so often we're looking, Lord, would you forgive us of our sins? Would you forgive us of those places that we, uh, we, we aren't giving over to you? Would you forgive us of all of the things that we're doing that, that are of this world and not of the kingdom? Uh, and, and, and would you take those away from us? And we just receive your forgiveness right now that you so freely give because of the sacrifice of your son on the cross. Holy Spirit, would you indwell us? Would you show us where are you moving? Where are you blessing? What are you doing? How should we run? How should we move? How should we think? How should we live? And would you give us faith to step out into the impossible? Would you give faith in us to approach the impossible with our improbable solutions? And Lord, we just bless you that this is who you are. That you are our provider, our shield, our protector, our father, a good father. 
We thank you. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. All right. Thanks for joining us. I hope you'll you'll join us in, in our home churches uh, that, that meet throughout um, the region. Uh, and uh, and I hope I hope you'll join us. And hey, don't forget about our uh, our night of worship and healing prayer, February fourteenth. That's Valentine's Day. Uh, it's going to be uh, in the evening on Sunday uh, at our building. We're going to have information on that on the website, on Facebook, on all of that. Uh, Ken is going to be back with us uh, for that. It's going to be fun. And uh, look forward to seeing you all together. Let's all come together. Uh, we'll do it safe. We'll be responsible. We'll we'll have masks, and and you'll have to wear them. And you'll have to get over it if you don't want to, but that's just how we're going to roll so everyone will feel comfortable enough to be able to get into a, a posture uh, to receive from the Lord. It's going to be wonderful. We can't wait for you uh, to see you then. And then if, if uh, we'll see you in home churches and we'll see you right back here uh, next week. God bless. For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.